Tom Panos, John McGraw, Troy Malcolm, it is that time of the week where you get your best value real estate training in all of Australia and New Zealand. That's what I actually think. And the reason I say it is uh, not only do we promise uh, a guarantee on it, but we're actually not taking any money from you, like all podcasts are. Uh, hey, John. Hey, Troy. How are you? Hello, tell me. That's, that's right. You get what you pay for here at MDA. <laughs> Expect nothing, and we and neither of us can go wrong. What's that? What's that? What's what's that? What's that one line saying? You pay peanuts, you get what do you think? You pay peanuts, you get monkeys, is it? Yeah, you pay peanuts, you get the million dollar agent team, Tom. That's what it is. You pay peanuts, you get MDA, and I'm the organizer. But I've got to, I've got to tell you, there's something nice about today. I think it's the fact that I know this is the last week of winter. You can feel it's getting warmer. You can feel people are thinking, okay, and it is a key time in real estate. I don't know what you're hearing, Troy, from your team, but there is stock that's coming on the market, and there's an indication that more and more stock will come on the market, and the topic we're going to talk about today is in line with that because I think if you're an auction-based agent, you want to make sure that you're running a 10 out of 10 process from the minute you list it till the minute the auction starts you want to make sure that your vendors and buyers are getting the best experience. And we're going to drill down into the most important components of it. We all love auctions. We all do it. We actually, uh, I saw, John, you did an auction two weeks ago that was uh, uh, carried by the press. Where was that property at, by the way? John, you did an auction two weeks ago. Yeah, Surrey Hills with Mark Foy. We did a little um, uh, boutique warehouse, sold to 3.32 million, 3321, I think. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good. But, you know, the thing I love about today, Tommy, is that, I mean, auction is, is, is in a sense, exclusive to Australia. I mean, hardly anywhere else in the world does many auctions, and if they do them, typically they're desperate sales sold by the local sheriff or, or mortgagee. So um, I think that this is a really unique, opportunity we've got the agents and you know the top 100 tommy you coach many of them most of them embrace the auction uh process uh g'day to alex jordan who doesn't uh, who loves private treaty so that's good there's always exceptions to the rule and and alex he was like exceptionally- it's funny it's funny you say that john because we had a zoom with our gym members the other day and someone asked that question they said alex you're the best agent in the country yet you do zero auctions explain and it was so eloquently explained by him he was actually very supportive of the auction uh, system he basically just said that this is the model that i operate i know how to do it it works for me it works for my marketplace it's not a marketplace where most of the buyers and sellers are are used to auction and before we go on on that that does play a, a, a a level of some sort of importance whether that marketplace the buyers and sellers are conducive to auction as being a method or whether you're the only one that's doing an auction for the whole year. Is that What, what do you think about that? Yeah, look, I think so. I and mean, Richard Chaloub, as you know, uh, Troy, who's incredibly successful, works for us in the CBD of Sydney and writes several million dollars, doesn't do auctions either because the market, specifically Walsh Bay and Rangaroo that he works in, he says that they're not auction markets either. So Whilst I say, and I believe it's the most exciting and probably the most successful method of selling almost any property, I totally respect that it's not for everyone. Um, 
So, the, you know, you've got to make up your own decision, but I think you need to have it in your toolbox. I mean, Alex does occasionally do auctions, it's just occasionally. Um, and I'm just saying, ha- have the skills. So we're going to talk a little bit about the process today and hopefully we'll give some insights. And other than that, I mean, uh, do you guys do it in your gym, Tommy? Do you do auction coaching training? I assume you do. We do, but we don't. We don't. We, we don't. We don't do significant because um, it's rapidly. I mean, the, the the it's interesting. The data across Australia will show that there's far more properties sold by private treaty than 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 auctions, right? But we we know that. But uh, we don't. It's funny, John. We haven't like we haven't really touched on this subject in all the time that we do uh, the podcast. We don't normally pick one method and just sit there and talk about it. But that's what we are going to do today. Yeah. Yes, so Troy, you know, I might kick off, um, and just you know, see see where it takes us. I'll just give a few insights of what I think are some of the key elements of auction, and and many of them, Tom, as you probably just alluded to, them are going to be very similar for private treaty. I I don't think the process of listing properly and selling properly are poles apart. I think there are some uh, uh, distinctions, some small nuances. In them, but overall, I think whether you're doing a listing presentation for a private treaty or an auction, there's a few components that are really critical. First thing on Troy, I think for auction is you've got to believe in it, and and a lot of people that don't do it is because they just they haven't had the experience, haven't been trained, or they just don't believe in it. So you you've got to expose yourself and you've got to convince yourself this is the right method, because if you're going to convince a client, a potential seller, you got to convince yourself first. I, I always take the view, Tommy, that you know. My role in representing you is not to sell your property because you could do it yourself or the guy that just finished it, you know, Haberfield TAFE could do it as well. The question is how do you get the most outcome, the best outcome, the highest possible price for your property? And I think the auction method comes into its own, especially if it's – if I had an estate and there was 50 identical properties on the market right now, I probably wouldn't be auctioning the 51st. But most people are not in that category. They're, they're selling – residential property, which is everyone's got a bit of uniqueness. So I look at it and I say, how do I get the most price for your property? The formula which we work to, Troy, as you know well, is is the more buyers I can get interested in your property and I can not just get them interested, I can get them emotionally connected and committed to your property. And then I can create, if I can create a competitive tension between those that are interested then I'm going to get you the best price. And I think auction is the perfect box to tick for that third element, which is competitive tension. You you can do it without auction, by the way, but I find it's just the perfect, and you know, you, you guys are, are great auctioneers. You know what it's like when you've got five buyers there and they've all figured out the property's worth a million dollars. Every comparable says a million, and then you bring the hammer down at a million 120, and you know the last 120 was competitive tension and adrenaline, it kind of feels pretty cool as an agent or as an auctioneer to preside over that that process. So I look at it and I think, well, why auction? Um, predominantly to get the best price. Sometimes it's because some of the properties we sell are, are pretty unique. Um, they're different from anything else that's sold. And I always find that once you take the price pressure off the market, then the, it allows the market to engage, get excited, and give you feedback, which is always good because you don't want to overshoot the runway by listing something that's worth a million at 1.5, hoping, because it's an unusual property. So then I just say, well, you know, let, let's come, Troy, back to the auction. Uh, you know, what, what do we do to 
get that right? How do I get more buyers emotionally connected and in competition? Well, pricing, which we talked about a little bit off camera, and we're always sensitive to the Queensland situation where where they have restrictions on price quoting, and we're sensitive to that. Um, but you know, I think you've got to get the pricing right, be it private treaty or auction. The beauty of auction is, Tom, it allows you to not commit to one finite price at the get-go. Most states, you can commit to a range. You can then build that range if the competition suggests that the range is at the conservative end. You can build that. So it really, it takes that pressure off. So I'm very careful in the words I choose when I'm with a client, and Troy, you've been listing appointments with me, when I, you know, when we're talking about guiding price on auction, because I think that's one of the beauties of auction. And I'll often say, Troy, you know, right now we don't have to commit to a price. We need to have a robust discussion about the likely comparable sales that the buyers are going to point to when they assess the price of yours. And then my job is to create an emotional connection and then use competitive tension to help us maximize price. And and so people generally get it. So it does take a bit of pressure off price because as we all know in private treaty, you've got a lot of agents who are out there, they're quoting a high to try and win the business, then they're apologizing and, and backtracking, you know, from day one. Or they're quoting what they deem might be a realistic price range and they they missed the listing because the vendor thought they were negative. So I think uh, the ability to take the pressure off price day one is important. The opportunity to build competitive tension is critical. Um, we did one last week, Tommy. Uh, I was due to do the auction. I went to the listing with Tracy and Sam over at Longerville. Anyway, long story short, you know, they were hoping to get close to $20 million and, and we did. We sold it before auction last week. We had three people that all wanted it, and the bidding sort of came in just just beneath the twenty million dollar range. So it's not just about a price range; it's about a process. And because we were able to get a number of people through the property, identify the top three potential buyers who all wanted to try and acquire it before auction, and the vendor was happy with that outcome to to sell it before. So then we were able to um, extract the best price before. So. That's the beauty, Troy. It gives the opportunity to sell before, during, or after over the year. Yeah, that's exactly right, John. And I think the other thing we've got to always remember is that when you're taking a property to market and into an auction campaign, you're not only looking at the recent sales that indicate value, you're also looking at being on the market in competition, not just in isolation. So it's actually the timing of the market and the the dialogue you're having with both buyers and sellers because we've seen recently properties that have come onto the market, their circumstances, they've sold the property. That becomes the new benchmark for a lot of the recent sales in the area and those properties that have pipelined to come on. So um, it allows for that. I think the tighter timeframe in regards to days on market also is a really great um, uh, strategy for a lot of owners right now in the market. Yeah. And Troy, I do a lot of auctions. And so here's, here's my view. Tesla said to me, the only reason I went to auctions is to reduce the amount of rescissions I was having when the market turned a year ago. And I said, tell me more. He goes, I would sell a property and it got to the stage where I had a 50% chance that this sale was going to crash, right? So... And then I'd have to resell it again. This is when things were very, when the market had turned last year. Since yep. then, it's different. He said, but that's why I went into it. It actually allows you to sell a property once and not have to resell it twice or three times and only get the one fee. But 
probably, I think a good use of um, the time I'm, I'm going to, sh- I've got here right now is just in one minute, tell you what I've been able to define as the perfect auction process for a listing agent. And that is uh, one vendor report a week going out on a Monday after you've done your summary calls on a Saturday afternoon and Monday, a vendor meeting on a Tuesday. Some people choose to do those face-to-face. Amit Nayak, who does eight, eight every Tuesday, does them using um, Calendly and Zoom on, um, uh, or sometimes on FaceTime. So he does 15-minute vendor meeting. Um, extracting uh, uh, feedback of values from buyers on what they think of value and hopefully, by the time you've had the auction day, you've had at least three to four offers or opinions of value. So you've got a vendor that's got some sense of what's going to actually happen on the day. So I see four vendor reports, four vendor meetings, at least three to four offers. And then in this market, probably pretty auction buyer meetings accompanied to the, the reserve meeting. I, you know, John and Troy, I see great auction agents as the ones that sit with a buyer before the day of the auction, before the Saturday, or if they're doing in rooms, um, and saying, hey, listen, I want to let you know this what this is what actually happens on the day, and this is what you need to do, and you need to be aware of these obligations. And also, what I'd like to do in this meeting is to share with you the last three transactions that have sold in the last seven days. Um, that are going to give you an up-to-date idea of what's happening right here, because that's your chance. If 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 you actually had gone out and quoted two million, but you know a week before the auction you actually feel like this actually might go for more than that, this is the time to be doing it, to be sitting there prior to auction, because nothing I dislike more than going to an auction and having a buyer walk away. And turning around and saying, oh, the agent said, you know, I was quoting this figure. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times, there are times when a property genuinely goes over because the agents have done the great competitive tension process. But there are also times, there are also times when there are some real estate agents that are quoting low figures, knowing that there was no way in the world the vendor would any anywhere come near that. Which is called underquoting, which is illegal, which we don't. None of us here on this podcast talk about, and like, or, or or suggest or endorse. Yeah, um, you're 100 right, Tommy. Those weekly buyers meetings, accompanied with a weekly, sorry, seller meetings, uh, and a weekly written report to a vendor. Because I find sometimes the written word has a certain uh, gravitas attached to it that's even stronger than the verbal. So you've got to do. I, I think you've got to do both. Um, the week, the, the buyer's meeting leading up to the auction is really critical. Discuss with them the benefits of being the highest bidder. Um, you know, here's where the interest is. Here's what's likely to happen. Here's what happens if we pass it in. You know, here's the window of opportunity for you. So I agree with all that. Um, I think the other thing, Tommy, is you, you need to get very close to your buyers along the way. A lot of agents make the error that because someone's come back a second time or even downloaded a contract that they're strong starters and it's not always the case some yeah but they might have done that to six properties that day so i think it's really important to check in you know tom just checking if you guys got the contract did you have any questions 
how are you feeling about the auction? I mean, are you feeling that you know you've you made the decision you'd like to have a crack at this on the weekend? And you know what what else would you need to make a, a safe purchase? So, you know, really check in with them because it is a mistake to um, to just assume that because someone's showing a little bit of interest, if you haven't dug a bit deeper, it's funny. Kelly, my partner, and my girlfriend um, that you both know, she did an auction in Darlinghurst recently. It was just a little baby one, better and. I think the reserve was like six seventy five, and she sold it for seven fifteen or something like that. And it was, yeah, you know, she was kind of really uh, touched at the end of the auction. The underbidder came up and said, "Can I give you a hug?" And she was just, oh, yeah, of course, "Yeah, of course, sure." And she said, "This is the first time I've been to an auction. I felt I've met an agent that really cares about me, and an agent that guided me every step. He held my hand." So I was kind of so yes, I missed out, but I'm cool with that. I didn't expect you to help me get it, but you really helped me get ready to buy it. And now Kelly's on the lookout for something to find for her. But I think that's the ultimate definition of success. You get a good price for the vendor. You have underbidders, and, and I'm sure the others would have felt the same. Underbidders who feel they've really been supported and you've done everything you could to help them get ready for the auction. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's you know that's a nice testament to A to Kelly and B to the process of running an auction campaign properly. So I think that's really really important. John, I would say to you, for me, I will. It, it was a, it was a defining moment in vendor servicing for auctions because many years ago I had one of my vendors ask me. This is when I was listing and selling real estate. He said, Tom. What do you reckon the reserve should be? And I said to him, you know what I'd love to do? I'd like to ring up everyone that I think has shown some form of interest. And I want to ask them what they think the reserve should be. I'll just ask them straight. And then what I'll do is I'll come back and we'll just go over it. And I did it, John. There was probably about 45 people. In the end, there was about 12 that sort of showed interest in the property. I rang up those 12. I said, listen, I'm seeing the owner tonight. We're going to set the reserve. He's asked me to ask you because you're one of 12 people that have shown interest. I'm not saying 12 are coming, but one of 12 that have shown interest. What do you think the reserve should be? Got the numbers of each person, went to the owner. I said, let's go through it. He reckons the reserve falls at this. He falls at this. He falls at this. And he turned around and goes, well, that's a little bit light on. I said, that's what they're thinking. I said, there's a possibility they've got a little bit more up their sleeve and they're not telling me, but this is what they're thinking. And it was just so good to take the pressure off me and put it on the buyers, John. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. Wayne Harker that worked for us many years ago was a, was a dear friend. I haven't seen him for a while though, but uh, Wayne Harker, I remember that he was very, he was very precise in his buyer management, buyer feedback and subsequently vendor feedback. And he did a similar thing. He would ask every single person that had any interest or or is across the market what they thought. And he would turn it into a bell curve. So he would actually do it, you know, the, the old fashioned bell curve. And he'd say, well, look, there's a few bargain hunters that thought it was only worth about 1.2. As you can see, the bulk of the interest is sort of saying 1250 to 1350. A couple of people mentioned 14. They said they're not going to come and bid, but they thought maybe that it would have reached around one four. And often when you see, so everyone's got a different approach, but Wayne was a very successful agent and yeah, that was his approach. Last thing, Tommy, because I know we're pressing hard for time. We've got a couple minutes to go. Um, 
auction important to manage expectations of both sides? Again, private treaty or not, but especially with auctions, um, I think you have to be savvy. You have to be street smart. Just because you've had 12 people come back and take a contract doesn't mean you're going to have 12 bidders tomorrow. I think you need to be a little bit careful with your pickle. Stop it. Sorry, my little dash hand was scratching. You've got to be careful with your feedback because it doesn't always go that way. And, you know, you've got to, you just got to be mindful. Hang on. By the way, everyone, if you're, list- if you're listening to this podcast, you, 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 you can't see, but Johnny's a wonderful dog decided that he was going to rip into and, uh, and do an interior decoration of his, uh, of his, of his study. But c- continue going, John, continue going. Yeah, no, so, so I just think, you know, all agents and all, everyone needs to develop a really strong skill around managing expectations because the only thing generally that has, gets an auction or a private treaty sale not sold is when you've got a buyer down here and seller up there and the gap never gets closed. So it's just important, and I'm not talking about, you know, the horrible people talk about conditioning vendors. I'm just talking about managing expectations, making sure people don't get carried away on the upside or the downside, just keep a nice even keel, keep information. And, and as Wayne Harker, as I said, what a great study of success there. He, he actually built a curve, a bell curve, for every property he was representing, and it showed where the level of interest was and where the bargain hunters were. And so I think just develop your own style and your own process. You, you've mentioned Amit Nayak, one of the great agents in Australia. Um, he, he does uh, a 15-minute, 20-minute vendor weekly calls backed up with a weekly written report, which is why he's one of the most successful agents in the country. So just just make sure that you really have a strong reporting process and you eliminate your subjective commentary and you start talking about market feedback and data from other things that have been listed and sold along the way. Really important. Beautifully said. John uh, and Troy, I'm going to finish off on this note, bit of a somber note, uh, um, um, but I'm letting everyone know that's going to be listening to this podcast. You'll see a post in the next 48 hours uh, uh, remembering Stephen Ma- uh, McMorrow, um, um, and I'm going to be putting a link to where he uh, wanted um, any support that was going to be given. He doesn't want flowers. He did pass away. Many of you do know that. Many of you might not even know Stephen because he wasn't. Stephen was not the kind of agent that was flash on the stage at conferences. He's he was with you, John, for many many decades. He did go to Ray White for a short stint, and then. Um, had come back, and uh, John, I know that uh, in uh, the last few months you were spending a fair bit of time with him, both uh, at his home and also at at Life House. And uh, oh. Stephen McMurray, I don't know if you want to say anything about uh, Stephen John. Yeah. He was an incredible agent. Thank you. Well, most importantly, as a beautiful human being, I had the pleasure of going to school with him forty uh, odd years ago at Sydney Boys High. He was a great athlete. Um, he's a great human. He started business as a mechanic at age 18. He's a mechanic for 10 years and decided it was bloody hard work and there must be a better way to make a crust. And he got into real estate and uh, soon after joined us and was with us for the majority of his career, as as was his wife and still is his wife, Merle. Uh, and now one of his daughters, Julia, is working with us as well. So just a, terrific. And, and uh, for those that knew him, 
will know what we're talking about. A man of integrity, uh, a man of quality. And you talk about, you know, doing the right thing by buyers and sellers. Well, he was the best embodiment of that example of that I've ever seen, uh, which is why he had a, uh, well, 32-year successful career. It's not hard to have a good year in real estate. It's hard to have a 32 good years, and and he had 32 good years. So thank you for mentioning it, Tommy. You know, we... Uh, we loved him. Uh, we love his family, and uh, we'll be doing everything to support them going forward. But, guys, health is critical, so make sure you do whatever you can to uh, look after your health. And uh, we will see you same time, same place next week. John Troy, uh, thank- signing off.